Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And this is day three of our Star Wars Celebration live blog pod. The reason I sound like this is because it's about five in the morning and um, I'm up to meet Dominic and some of the crew at Celebration to get in line to get a wristband for the future filmmakers panel the final panel of celebration hopefully it'll be a big one lots of special guests apparently and uh yeah it's it's been the best fun so ready for a super fun day so uh let's see what we see Hey guys, it's about 9.30, we've got our passes, I uh, did a bit of periscoping which was super fun, I'm I'm thinking about getting into the periscope, and uh, we just had breakfast at a a hotel, which was awesome, courtesy of uh, our friend Rusty, Uh, cheers man, and uh, we got to have a chat with uh, my pal Star Wars author Adam Bray for a bit, so uh, awesome to catch up with him. We have to do a full-length Star Wars, Steel Wars episode with him pretty soon. (laughs) And uh, now I'm off to the Star Wars Rebels press conference, which should be really good. I'm part of the press, and I'll be conferencing. They'll be with Sam Whitler, um... And I really want to ask him a question about the Heli Sabers from the series finale of uh, season two, because that was something that I loved the episode, but they stuck out to me that something that didn't, would have rather them not be in it. So um, I'm keen to hear what his reaction was to the reaction to the Heli Sabers. So let's see what goes down. Um, you've talked about how, due to the lead time, it's hard for you to bend to fan reactions. And one of the funnest things about being a Star Wars fan is debating reactions to little things. And I'm wondering, doing it so far in the past, is it like a, a lucky dip for each like episode or how fans react? Like in the like the season finale of episode two, or season two, um, like everyone just loved it. But then, like a, a thing like the Helen Savers had a really strong pro and con reaction. Is that like a weird thing for something that you did so long ago that people pick that thing to like debate about? Do you have an idea that's going to happen in advance? You know, I get a, a micro reaction because of my crew. They are all, as I've said, fans of varying levels, and so anything we decide to do in the story. 
um, you see these reactions. It's almost like some kind of scientific testing. <clears throat> so some of them like the Hellsavers and some of them don't. I, I like the show, so I do it. If it's something that they really don't like, I have to change stuff. Um, the writers will give you the first reaction. But then once we have a script, I read it out loud so the team is going to execute it. So once uh, Henry and I finalize the script, I sit down with the upside director and the story guys that are going to do all the shots. And I read it out loud and portray everything to them and explain the staging and shots of life and everything. But as I read it, I watch them. And you know you can see like your friends and they're quiet, they're kind of like eye roll or they kind of sing. And, and all the time I'm like, what, you think that's lame? <laughs> and they get really odd. Like, no, 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 if it's lame, I want to know now, it's lame. If that doesn't work, I want to know. And they'll say, yeah, well, I didn't really like it. I'm like, okay, I feel the same way, I'd like to change it. You just, you're trying to hit this thing as many times as you can to get it to be good before it's gone. That's everything we do. And on a TV show, I have a lot less kicks at the can, I call it. So uh, you're just desperate to get, like the finale last year, I got it actually in front of as many eyeballs as possible at work that I could to get reactions, except probably the last two minutes. The last two minutes was no dialogue. That I left alone for the most part, and let very few people see it. I let a couple of people see it just to gauge their reaction. But for the most part, I left it alone. And then I brought Simon Kimberg and Kerry Harden to look at it because I needed to make some final changes to it. I knew it, and I just couldn't see it. And I knew they would. And they did, and it really, I thought, made the thing excel to another level. Um, so you're just always aware of it because the people that are working on it are very critical of their own work. So it's my job to let them know when, okay, yes, let's change it, or you're overreacting. Just because something's new doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. We, should, we always need to push the threshold, you know, and you know, I've always said it. I didn't know there were snow walkers until I saw Empire. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there were speeder bikes until I saw Endor. You know, I didn't know an ATTE could go off a cliff until I decided it could. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Well, that was the funny one. It was Henry Gore. Was like, I was like, you know, Henry, we should take this ground battle because it was level. I said, let's put it on the cliff. And Henry goes, can we do that? And I was like, Yes, Henry. <laughs> we can do that, you know, because now we're making a story, and you know, it's it's disappointing if people don't like it. But that the, I don't know, that means I would have changed the way I did it. I mean, what, what can you do? We thought it was good at the time. Quick follow-up: Is there any, any, anything that like that people react like so strongly to that you didn't think was going to be such a big thing that you're like, oh, I wish we had a put more of that in? That is the more likely thing that happens, is that you go, oh, they really like that, I wish we had more of that, you know. But um, I don't, if, if we don't have more of it, it means it wasn't important to the story, you see. And so if we were just putting more of it in there because... That's, 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 that's the sensor. Yeah, so yeah. while it seems like that'd be a great idea, it probably, it probably wasn't. Like, my crew was all about Huffer Pigs for a while. They love that thing. And I was like, you know, guys, I really think you're what about what? They're the pigs that blow up like a balloon. And I was like, I, don't, I really don't think that's where we want to go. I don't think. Like, while they're funny in that episode, I don't think we want a bunch of that. It was all off of Yeah, I think that was a, a life decision. I think so, too. So, you know.
But there is a novel coming out about pumpkins. At least the balloon would be fun. That would be great. That would be great. All right, you guys, it's 1.40, and I'm with someone that's very proud that they called the time perfectly when I asked them. Welcome to the podcast, Steel Wars podcast listener. Sophie, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Now, you were saying that I somehow got you into Star Wars. Yeah, so I've been listening to the Weekly Planet, and they kept talking about episode seven, and I was like, whatever, I don't care, I don't like Star Wars. And then Mason went on your podcast, so I was like, oh, I guess I'll listen. And I kind of ended up watching all of the Star Wars in two days and then going to watch the new one, and now I'm obsessed. <laughs> well, that's awesome that you, like, I've met so many Weekly Planet listeners that, like, listen because of James and Mason, so that's really cool. And uh, they have, I, I guess, like, to my, the, the, you know, the... I don't know, they just say, they're very polite. They're very polite fans. Yeah, I think we're pretty all right. <laughs> Do you ever wonder, um, James, he's, he's mysterious, he's got this goat head, he doesn't reveal his identity. Do you ever wonder what he looks like underneath? I saw a picture of him on the internet the other day and it scared the shit out of me. I did not expect it at all. You saw him? I thought he was. Yeah. I thought there was no imagery. So did I. And then there was this one photo. It got taken down very quickly, but there was this one photo. Oh, my God. And it wasn't what I pictured. Apparently, he doesn't have a goat head, and I was shocked. It's more... Um, there's So that means there's less photos of James on the internet than there were pre The Force Awakens of Luke Skywalker. Because there was one of him... What is going on? Lucasfilm need to use the security that the Weekly Planet uses. Clearly, they need to get in contact and discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've just been here one day today? Yeah, yeah, just the one day. And what have you seen? What do you like? I've seen everything, I think. I've been walking around for quite a while and trying not to spend all of my money, because <laughs> money is nice to have. But yeah, there's, there's so much here and everyone... Don't start, podca- don't start podcasting then. <sighs> No. Get into YouTube, because that's where the cash is. Isn't it, James? <laughs> yeah. Goat heads just rolling in change. The key is the yellow text. The yellow text <laughs> is the key of the money. So he tells me. Apparently, he invented the yellow text. He invented putting a font in yellow. Clearly. Clearly, he's the, the pioneer. And... Um, so what are you looking forward to in the next... All the, all the stuff that's been announced over the, over the weekend, what, what sort of got you excited? I think I'm, I'm really excited for Rogue One. That's got my attention at the moment because it's the, the nearest thing and it's nice to have a female lead again in another Star Wars movie, so that's nice. You've got a bit of Felicity Jones going in your face. Yeah, I'll claim that. All right. <laughs> Do you rebel? Yes. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming up and saying, hey, I really appreciate it. It's cool to meet you. No worries. Thank you for having me. Nice. I think it's Tarkin. I think it's Ezra. I think it's the reincarnated ghost of Anakin who was Rey who's been morphed into another Sith-loving creature. Hmm. 
you are sick of Snoke theories as much as I am, you have to get the Steel Wars Your Snoke Theory Sucks t-shirt. Screen printed, not heat pressed, on the highest quality AAA tube t-shirt and designed with the beautiful vintage Kenner font in mind, you will turn heads and get laughs with the Your Snoke Theory Sucks t-shirt and you'll support sweet, sweet Steel Wars podcast. And if you're a Steel Wars supporter, you get 15% off. Presale is up now on SteelWars.com. Hey guys, this is me in the future recording this. There was an incident with the memory card, so a few interviews were lost. We will talk about what happened to those at the conclusion of the podcast when we have a normal memory card again. But the next segment is the final panel of Star Wars Celebration. It's the Future Filmmakers panel in full. So if you've seen clips of it online, this is the full thing. If you don't want to listen to the Filmmaker panel and you just want to skip to the conclusion of our Star Wars Celebration Coverage. We do a, sort of like a 15-minute wrap-up at the end. Skip forward about an hour and five minutes. But the panel was awesome. Why not kick back, take the time, and enjoy? Gentlemen, are you ready to learn about the future of the Star Wars universe? Some future film directors of the Star Wars universe. It is time for our final panel of the day here at Star Wars Celebration Europe. It's at the celebration stage. So only one person can bring you the future of the Star Wars universe. So right now, up on your feet for Pablo Hidalgo. I mean, we've had some amazing things in this room. We had look at Rogue One. Who was here for that panel? And then we had Star Wars Rebels, a preview of Season 3 also in this room. And if you were lucky enough, you got onto the show floor and you took a trip to Tatooine through virtual reality. Trials on Tatooine via ILMX. Who's right there? that's coming out in 2016. But we're not here today to talk about 2016. No, we're talking about what comes after that, and that's what this panel's all about. We did a version of this panel at the last celebration. I don't know who went to that. Did anyone see my conversation with Gareth Edwards? So, just to set some degree of expectations, 
We're talking about movies that are quite far away. So that's going to you know, limit the amount of things we can really show you. But at the same time, this is the first time we're going to have any public conversations about these movies. And I'm talking about Star Wars Episode Eight. <laughs> Untitled, and I should say untitled as if Star Wars Episode 8 isn't untitled also, but this is also untitled, On Solo Standalone Music. So, who better to talk about the future than two of the key architects who are making that future happen day in and day out at Lucasfilm. Please join me in welcoming together the head of Lucasfilm and the SVP of development, the head of the story group. These are my bosses, Kathleen Kennedy and Kiri Hart. discussion and debate about will they will they understand what a standalone movie is? Do, do you, do you guys understand? <laughs> <laughs> Thinking back now, reflecting on that, what are those thoughts now that you know Rogue One is so close to, to coming to the world? I, I mean it's uh, I think for me it's been really satisfying to see how people are embracing um, everything that we're able to share about Rogue. Uh, and you know it's it's something that I think is a dream sort of coming to fruition. Um, that we talked about last year, and it's really exciting. You know, I also have to say that when the first trailer was up in April, that's really when I think we knew that it was you guys that were helping us do that, because the conversation online, you got it right away, and the conversation showed us that we weren't going to have to go through some lengthy explanation that it was pretty clear about what we were doing and everybody seemed to be really excited. So needless to say, that made us excited. So thank you all of you for helping tell the world thank you. how special these films are. So switching gears to now the episodes, the Star Wars saga content. You know, episode seven was really well in development. It was in production, I believe, when you know we had to start turning towards well, what happens next who's in charge of what's next. So, how did, I, I'm gonna do this before we invite him out so that we don't have to embarrass him on this here. So how well, did, well, we will, no, we'll, we'll embarrass him differently once he comes in. <laughs> so how did your eyes settle upon, hey, get back there, I see you back there. <laughs> how did your eyes settle upon Brian Johnson? Well, yeah, I, I have to say, I was a huge fan of Brian's early on. In fact, um, I, had, I had met Brian couple of times before actually taking on the role of, of being the president of Lucasfilm. So when Kiri and I started talking about 
who the directors might be that we would consider. Ryan was way at the top of the list right away because I think many of you who know his films, uh, Brick and Brothers Bloom, and then what he did with Looper. <laughs> Ryan had the sensibilities that combine an ability to have real substance in his dramatic structure, but also an amazing sense of humor. And I have to say, in watching him on the set of episode eight, um, I don't say this about many people, I think Ryan moves the camera as well as Steven Spielberg. So you guys are in for a real treat. bring him out while his head can still fit through the arcade. <laughs> you know him, as we said, from such amazing movies as Brick, The Brothers Bloom, and Looper, which he wrote and directed, and I dare say, also the best damn episode of Breaking Bad ever done. Hug to top there, really. Mm. You can see a little like pile. <laughs> uh, he did warn us that he was going to hug me on Twitter. So for those of you who are live tweeting, please confirm that that indeed happened. Yeah, yeah. Fair warning, my yeah. friends. Yeah. So Ryan, just to under set people's understanding of timeline in mind. I mean, you started at episode eight while episode seven was very much still in production. I did. Yeah, yeah. They were still shooting, actually. Um, here in London, they were still shooting episode seven, and so uh, yeah, I was thinking about that today because obviously uh, Colin is doing the same thing while we're while we were in production with episode eight. He was starting to think about nine, and I, I know it was kind of strange, like because we one of the first things I did um, was went up to San Francisco and spent about six weeks kind of figuring out the story, and I would go in a few times a week and sit down with these guys and with the story group and um, just hash it through and we would watch dailies that were coming in from Seven. And at that point it was just a script and kind of the dailies that we were seeing. Um, and I was thinking about that, I think it was probably really healthy that in thinking about where the story goes next, it was entirely just based on our reactions to it as opposed to based on the phenomenon that it would become or the cultural reaction to it. It was just a very personal, what do we connect with about the, with these characters and, and where did they go next? Um, yeah, you, so I think it was a good thing. Yeah, you were coming to understand who are new leads or new heroes and villains. Right? You were coming to understand who Ray, Finn, Poe, and Kylo were just as they were actually still coming together. Yeah, yeah, it really was a, yeah, it was a unique experience. So, um, when it came to, you, you came aboard, and uh, this is just a tip for any future filmmakers, a real smart way to get your foot in the door at Lucasfilm, if you ever have a meeting with us, is to bring homemade ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> our, our very first story meeting with Ryan, he's like, he surprises us all by bringing us ice cream. He's like, <laughs> you realize we're going to expect this, man. Yeah, we're going to expect this from now on. No, but what you did, which I thought was really great, is uh, we began sort of a a film camp 
so to speak. Um, Ryan assembled movies that he thought it was important for us to watch and understand his point of view about them, so that we had this common language. And I would love for you to share some of the titles that we watched. Well, it was—I mean, it was also stuff that I really wanted because we were in the middle of, you know, in the middle of coming up with what the stuff was going to be. And there was also stuff where I thought it would be really good to rewatch this. And it's funny, like at the time, so we were—it was twelve o'clock high. It was uh, Letter Never Sent, it was, what else did we watch? There watch uh, Bridge and the River Quiet. That's right, Bridge and the River Quiet, Damn Which one? Three Outlaw Samurai. Oh, that's right, Three Outlaw Samurai, that's right. We watched Hooper, no wait, no, we didn't watch Hooper. No, we you and I watched Hooper separately. That was a different experience. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, so... Let's hear that story. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so, no, it, but it's funny, actually, watching... Um, now being, we, we're just at the end of production right now, and going through and looking at the film that we put together, and looking back at the movie, like particularly 12 O'Clock High, there was a good seeing, oh my god, a lot of that made it, made it in there. Like, at the time, it was just like, oh, this will be kind of a fun bonding thing, and maybe there will be things here or there, but that, it ended up actually being a really, really crucial part of it. We watched Gunga Din, I remember that. Gunga Din, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That. And we watched Sahara, not the Matthew McConaughey Sahara, but... The uh, Humphrey Bogart Sahara, where he's a, a tank commander. And my, my favorite part is like, we were, we're at Skywalker Ranch, and we're sitting there, we're watching this, and Ben Burt sticks his head in. <coughs> and his first question is, who's watching Sahara? And it made him love us. Yeah, totally. It's like, anyone who'll pick up Sahara and watch it in, a, in the theaters, that'd be good people. So when we announced that uh, episode eight was in production, we had a little video that we showed of you basically uh, recreating the scene between uh, Mark and Daisy and Skellig. So, can you talk about that? Yeah, that was a really surreal way to start the whole thing out. So, we, we uh, it was when we started coming up with, you know, I started coming up with the story, I realized that I, I wanted to, I immediately, I didn't even really think about it, the notion that we were gonna end up breaking kind of a long-standing Star Wars tradition, and for the first time, this movie is gonna start right where the last one left off. This is like, I don't wanna skip ahead, that last moment of seven, I want to see what happens next. And so just the, because of the demands of the story, that's what it ended up being. Which meant we went back to, uh, to Skellig, and um, we were only able to get a couple days of shooting there. And it was months before we started principal photography. So it was really the first, first thing that we did. And it was a very surreal, I mean, the island itself is this amazing, uh, it feels like you're stepping into a, History. It feels like there is something very mystical and magical about the island. Um, Rick Carter had described it to me before I went there in his very Rick Carter way. <laughs> and it's a very Rick Carter place. It's like a, an incredibly mystical place. Um, so to be there and be the, the first thing that we're shooting is, is uh, you know, Mark and Daisy standing up on, on, on Christ's saddle and on Skellig Michael. And it was just so... Uh, I don't know, it, it was an appropriately surreal beginning to the whole experience. And this was before anyone really knew like that that moment would become so iconic in the world, so... so wow. That's good. was not so paralyzed by fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah good. Um, Let's talk about working with uh, some of the, the classic cast. Um, you know, before we go into that, I, I just want to understand like what your level of... of, of of Star Wars appreciation was going into all of this, and then what it meant to have Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher and people like Anthony Daniels in front of you, yeah. uh, and and they're yours to direct now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I feel like it, uh, and in a lot of 
conversations I've had just over the past few years, I feel like it, it almost, you almost want to lead with an apology, like I know everyone has a, this is what Star Wars means to me story, <laughs> this yeah. sounds almost cheesier, but it is something that's so integral, Star Wars was the, I mean, it, it was the, um, it was the first, I have this memory of my dad putting me in the car to take me to see Star Wars, and I asked him, where are we going? He said, we're going to see the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And I... And, uh, and he was right, and that combined with, and it's funny, the, um, as much as the movies were, um, something that I really reacted to. I think even bigger, and that's why it's fun, like walking walking the floor and like seeing like, seeing the, the toys. And, and I don't know, the, the, I feel like, because back when, back when movies came out, it wasn't like we had them on our iPads. Like it was, you had to put your name in the waiting list at the video store and you got the VHS and then you and your friends watched it for 24 hours straight. It was like you didn't actually get to see the movie much. So what you had were those toys. And I think even more than the experience of the film, the fact that the first stories we were telling in our heads as kids were in that universe with those toys. I think that's why, and I'm sure, and I did, like I think several people have said when we walk, when I walked on the had the same experience of walking on the Falcon set for the first time, and unexpectedly kind of really getting choked up um, out of nowhere and. What it was is flashing back to being a kid and all the stories I told inside my Kenner, you know. The back of the Falcon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And suddenly you're standing in it and there is just an intense emotional reaction that, um, that happens. So anyway, that's, that's, that's that part of it. So now, as I was saying before, you, you now have Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and C-3PO and R2 and Chewbacca in front of you with, with your, your rolling camera. And you're telling him what to do. I mean, what's that, what's that like for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, it was it was a very I mean it, it was an incredible experience on many different levels. Ultimately, though, um, you know, in order to and this was one of the things that the whole process was kind of about. You come in, you come into it with those feelings of deep nostalgia. But then you realize your responsibility ultimately is to get beyond that very quickly and to ultimately, I don't know, ultimately tell a story that feels alive right now and it's about where you're at right now, I guess. And that, I guess, was kind of like the ultimate responsibility of it is to sit in front of Mark, sit in front of Luke Skywalker, and then have those feelings of, I'm sitting here talking to Luke Skywalker, so it's kind of weird. And, it's, and then... To, to get to know Mark and get to know him as an actor and then start working through the script and then get back into the actual work of filmmaking and telling a story um, the same way that I've, you, know, you, you do with any other film, basically. You know, to get to the point where you're just... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm expressing this right, but, um, but it, was, uh, it was surreal all around, I guess. And now, the, the new cast, you've got uh, you know, Daisy and, and John are back, Oscar's back. Um, they've all kind of added back. They, they've all had their first, oh my goodness, I'm in Star Wars experience with the last film. So how did you find them coming into this movie? They were wonderful. And it was, it, 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 you're right, there was that kind of feeling of, there was that big explosion in the first one, and now 
the second one. But it, it ended up serving, I think, what this second film is in a very good way, because the first film was this, is this incredible explosion of adventure and excitement that sets up these characters, and then, just out of necessity, it's very natural that the second film is where we start uh, kind of zooming in on the characters and kind of taking them, seeing, okay, really kind of getting to the heart of them and challenging them and pushing them deeper. And so I think the actors were all um, very excited about that. Yeah. So um, you are one of, I think the first, you are the first director who had a public uh, presence on social media before we announced that you were our director. Is that what I have? Yeah, that's, that's, an, addition, that's a, an additional bullet point under IMDb trivia for anyone who's editing that. So, so what was that like? Because you were so accessible. The world, to be honest, the world knew before we were even able to formally announce that you were directing episode eight. So you must have got a lot of traffic coming your way asking that to confirm or, or, or to talk about it online. Yeah, yeah, it's been, I mean, it's, I've been on, I mean, I, I love being, I love being on the internet. I love being, like, I've always loved social media. Even with, like, my first film that I did, Rick, which was before Twitter, it was, uh, was uh, way, way back before this Twitter existed. Was, uh, uh, but I created, like, a, a message board on my website for people to come and talk about it. I've, I've always really just loved um, being out there. And, and I guess I was a little, a little nervous in terms of what, uh, what something on this scale would do, would I still be able to enjoy it the way I have before? And so far, it's it's been it's been wonderful. So far, it's still been you know um, the same sort of thing of just engagement with people. And you know, uh, so I don't know. So far, so good. It just feels kind of very continuous. Do we have any people here who follow Ryan on Twitter or Instagram? I apologize. Well, speaking of Instagram, you've been very generous in, in sharing some photos from the set that you yourself took during the making of this movie. Yeah. So uh, we have some here. I don't know. We can, we can show them up and, and uh, see if there's any stories to tell. You see that there? Oh, these are fantastic background crowd who are in the who are in the who are in the film. It's funny you. Uh, you, you, you realize you realize as you do these films how important how important the background players are, and you realize how deeply embedded they are from the original films in your heads in the background. And you start paying more and more attention to them as you're directing. And we we had a really really great crowd that uh, really took to it and, and, and gave a great performance in the background scene. It's funny, with black and white. This looks like you're making a period picture here. There's a lot of it, and there's some shots of, I don't know if they're in here, but like Gary, our cameraman, when he's, he kind of has a 70s fro a little bit, <laughs> and when he's behind that camera, like, on a dolly in like a, you know, resistance hall, a ship hallway, you look at the shot and you're just like, oh, that could be, yeah, that could be from the 70s. Be cool. <laughs> Let's uh, take a look at another photo here. Yeah, that's, uh... Oh, yeah. So there, I think that's Billy. Yeah, I think that's Billy Lord. Carrie's the other there, actually. Um, and we actually, I know for a, a lot of the stuff I've posted, I apologize that a lot of it is kind of green screen in the background, and that that's, uh, I mean, green screen, not to put down green screen, it's a great tool, but I, I just haven't wanted to like give anything away. But I just want to let everyone know the amount of sets that we've built for this movie has been absolutely outrageous and uh, a tremendous amount of, of practical sets. And we also had the luxury of doing um, things like this where we built exterior interior sets of some of the ships. So we 
not only would be able to film inside them, but also do shots from the outside that weren't just like window comps and actually move into them. So uh, yeah, we yeah, we we had fun. <laughs> Next photo, please. Ah, this is Ireland. Uh, so yes, <laughs> people from Ireland. 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 Yes. <laughs> uh, so th yeah, and and in addition to to sets with a big for for uh, a chunk of the film, we went out to Ireland and actually, in addition to Skellig, um, we shot along the southwest coast of uh, in the west coast of Ireland um, at a lot of really incredible locations, and uh, it, it it was amazing getting out there. Uh, a ways into the shoot and then suddenly having this whole other texture to the film open up in front of you and just the natural beauty of that coastline uh, and to be able to put these actors out there and uh, actually put them out and just film it and seek to stand behind the camera and, and, and have it feel like that it's, it was it was just incredible yeah let's uh, take a look at another one <laughs> oh, who's that guy who's that guy I was very lucky to have the man in the cowboy hat come out to visit several times and spend some time on set. And uh, yeah, it's, you just immediately feel calm and at peace when Dave Filoni is standing back behind you. You feel like everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I mean, we, we talk about it a lot, but it's true. Uh, Kathy and Kiri make it, it it's so accessible that any part of Lucasfilm that will benefit from being on the set and anyone that you would benefit from having on the set, that that communication and that you know flying from 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 one side of the world to the other to come and help each other out, that that that's a reality of making Star Wars movies now. Well, and it was nice. Like even the time that I talked about when we, when I was in San Francisco, they're coming up with a story. Um, Gareth was there, and they they were coming up with Rogue at the same time. It would be like right down the hall. They were working on Rogue, and you come down and just say hi and take a look at the whiteboard and talk through stuff and. Um, and then Dave was doing, you know, was doing Rebels in the same, it was right there in the Presidio, and it, it had this kind of campus-like feel that, I don't know, it's pretty cool. Next photo. Aha, yes. Shut these helmets, man. These helmets are bigger than you think. Like, you see pictures of them, you see them on screen, and, and then you see them in real life, and you're like, really? Oh my god. They're like, <laughs> they're massive. Uh, and also, every anytime, uh, anytime that we were shooting a scene with these guys in helmets, I would I would start playing. Uh, Daft Punk is playing at my house on my phone, really loud. I think it got annoying. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do we have any more? Ah, yes. Aha! Uh -huh, yes. <laughs> uh, and this is actually. Uh, <laughs> so, this is my assistant, Leo, who was stuck in uh, a TIE fighter outfit, and, uh, and uh, I, I had a lot of fun direct directing him ruthlessly. Um, but uh, but it, was, it, was, it was, I don't know, uh, this is another one of those shots, though, where, and there were a few of these sets where, uh, you know, this or some of the stuff in the Falcon or the, or the X-Wings where... You put them in there and you frame them up and you look at the monitor and you're just like, oh my god, you just have that instant uh, connection to it, I guess. That's pretty cool. Let's see if we have any more. 
So I guess, you know, this, this is probably, it's not the best kept secret in the world, but the production name for Star Wars Episode Eight. who here knows it? Face there. <laughs> Production's done, I think it was kind of a code name. Code name, that's right, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I gotta say, it had, we, had, we all, every one of our projects has code names, and I can tell you what it is, otherwise defeats the purpose of telling what the code name is. But you knew Episode Seven was Abco, Everything else coming forward has additional ones, but I gotta say, completely biased, but Space Bear is the best one. <laughs> it just made me so happy because that Panda logo was like, every time I saw that on official stuff, it just made me so happy. Like on like officially printed budgets and stuff to see that dumb little Panda in his helmet up in the corner. It's like the story that, uh, I don't know if this is true, but that Terry Gilliam named his production company for one of his films Poo Poo Productions, just so the lawyers would have to write it over and over. <laughs> well, maybe we can look forward to some Space Bear merchandise at Celebration next year. That'd be, that'd be amazing. But on that topic, because, uh, you know, this is the, in many ways, it's the Rogue One Celebration. I mean, Gareth had, had a great spotlight moment on this stage to tell the world about his movie. Next year, I think that's going to be your time to uh, have a big showcase moment, and it also happens to be the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. So, <laughs> so what I'm thinking is, well, we expect, you know, you're going to be in Orlando, aren't you? I think I'll, I think I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And I, and by the way, this is kind of like the first time I'm coming out and kind of talking about this thing that we've been doing and I was very nervous about to come out here but just like seeing all you guys and seeing just the, I don't know, the warmth and the, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm really looking forward to the, to the next year and a half. I'm really looking forward to showing you guys more and more of what we got and I, I think we're all going to have a really good time together. <laughs> guests are just beginning their initial journey. Oh, these kids. Yes. Oh, these kids. They have so much to expect and learn. We are talking about a directing team who have been responsible for such movies as 21 Jump Street, the Lego movie. These are the guys that put everything is awesome in your head for months and months on end. So let's bring them on. Please welcome Chris Miller and Philip Ward. just starting off your journey here. And I, again, we're not at set expectations here. This is really, really super early. Where are you guys in terms of your, your, your uh, production? We just moved here two days ago. <laughs> um, and so we're very, very early. We're still uh, working on the script with uh, Larry and John Kasdan. Um, and uh, <laughs> doing a lot of early pre-production on the uh, movie with, you know, design work and that sort of thing. Now you mentioned uh, Larry and John Kasdan. Here I 
I can, I can just hear in my head you telling the story best in terms of Larry's interest in this project and the talent attached to it. Yeah, Larry, um, you know, there's nobody on the stage who doesn't love and respect Larry so much for all that he's contributed to Star Wars. And I think that as the executive producer of this particular movie and the writer, uh, along with his son John, um, he, he had a lot of passion for the idea of uh, Chris and Phil coming aboard to direct this movie. And he was quite vocal about it in the way that Larry can be. <laughs> um, and, and really, I think, had a tremendous amount of, um, of a belief in them and, and a feeling that, that they were just the right people to do this. And, and I think that uh, that ended up being really meaningful to all of us as we you know, went forward and, and, and put the whole thing together and, and made it happen. And now it's, uh, it's real and everybody's working together. It's pretty cool. Um, one thing, and I, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this, this panel isn't streaming. If this was streaming, I wouldn't do this, right? But uh, at Lucasfilm, everyone has a George impression. Everyone has one. You can't help it. <laughs> and, and one of the things I noticed is the more we got in working with Larry, we all developed Larry impressions. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, not that I expected, not that I expected <laughs> Gary to do it. How did you do it? It was like, Gary, it's got to be these guys. It has to be these guys, Gary. <laughs> so, Gary. Trust me, he was, <laughs> he was pitching really hard and he was so happy that you guys said yes to this project. So, And uh, we all are, because um, it's in great hands. I mean, such an honor from Larry Kesson, our hero from growing up watching all of his movies. And I, like, I went to see Grand Canyon in the theater opening weekend. That's how big of a fan I am You're like a real Larry head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in high school. So it's a dream come true just from just from this part alone. Not to mention the, the rest of it. So can't get too much into what the movie's about, but obviously everyone knows it's about Han Solo. Woo! So what does Han Solo mean to you? Oh, <laughs> what does Han Solo mean to you? Oh gosh, uh, I, I I sort of relate to him. He's uh, he's. He doesn't want to do anything that he's told. Uh, when you tell him not to do something, uh, it makes him want to do it more. Uh, he's very sarcastic, and and at the end of the day, he's um, un unreasonably optimistic. And and I think that's why you know we fall for that guy, and why we got so excited about making this movie. Um, is that this kind of dichotomy? Between this kind of grouchy, seemingly cynical guy with the biggest heart in the galaxy, and and to me that's a great thing to make a movie about. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy. I mean, this is a guy who every on the playground, everybody was fighting who gets to play Han Solo. And in my family, when my sisters and I would play Star Wars as kids, I was always Han Solo. My one sister was Princess Leia, and my other sister was. Princess Leia's sister Margot, which is a character we can work her into this this story. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to do any less than reach your slip in the extra Skywalker. Um, <laughs> there is another other one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's a guy he's a maverick, he's a he's a scoundrel, he's clever but he's not Smart, um, um, and he's—you know—he wants to present himself as like this cool, tough guy, but in the end, he always does the right thing. And so that's, I think that's why you love him so much, and 
It's why he's been one of the most iconic characters of all time. Yeah. yeah. Now you've, of course, worked with Han Solo before. You've worked with the Millennium Falcon before. That is true. We did, in the Lego movie, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca both appeared, and the Millennium Falcon were all in, in that movie. And as I read, all of the films with Star Wars are canon, so that means that that is canon. Yeah, that is canon. Which means Batman will be appearing. That Batman on the Millennium Falcon is canon in Star Wars. Let's see, do we have that clip? Can we refresh our memories of the... Uh, a spaceship just gonna appear out of the blue. Are you kidding me? A spaceship? Are you kidding me? supposed to be halfway to Naboo for a sweet party right now. This hyperdrive keeps malfunctioning, taking us to loser systems like this. Captain Solo, we must go. No proper turf bag ever be unlocked, how to all? Droid's right. Let's roll. Hold on, eh? This might be the right galaxy after all, because I see a heavenly body. Ooh, whoa, I have a boyfriend. And it is super serious, right, babe? Of course it's serious. Yeah. Got room for just one dude? Whoa, babe. He's a cool dude like you. You're trying to bail on I'm not trying to build them. Ask them if you could go with them on their party ship. That thing is filled with bon vivants. You speak French now? Babe, look, if this relationship is ever going to work between us, I need to feel free to party with a bunch of strangers whenever I feel like it. <laughs> I will text you. Where'd you get that sweet space cake, brother? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone here, I want you to do me a favor if you're tweeting this because this isn't streaming. Please tweet that we showed an exclusive clip featuring Han Chewbacca and Millennium Falcon, directed by uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lowe. Just tweet that. It's absolute truth, and only you guys got to see it because this isn't going out in the world. Spoilers. Uh, Batman cameo, the subject of cameos, let's talk about that. You guys were this close to getting into Rogue One. Uh, yes, we were uh, visiting, you know, doing early prep work here, and, uh, and you know, we've gotten to know Garrett through this process, and uh, so he invited us uh, to come on the set, and... Uh, Where'd you get that? Uh, but... We look killed out solid. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting into character. Yeah, I got a big guy. That's my, my a, hard look. A long Why time. did they cut you guys? No, we didn't get cut. <laughs> The worst part about it was that, that we were gonna we were gonna shoot this thing, but I you know, my whole family's moving out here for to be living here for a year. Um, and I had to go look at a school for my son. Uh, we couldn't be in Star Wars because, <laughs> because your son had to go to school. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. 
So I got all dressed up, waited around, and then they're like, okay, what are you gonna do? I was like, ah, oh, I gotta go. I can't show up to the school interview looking like this. <laughs> uh, so, had to leave. I'm so bummed you didn't go like that. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the giant blast. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they would have had to let him in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got so close. But you know, we did actually get a cameo. It's Ryan. Yes, my producer, Rom, and I. We chose wisely. We chose like the two dudes who we knew would be in the movie that can't cut us out because we're the two dudes in the firing chamber. <laughs> we pull the levers and go levers and go like that. <laughs> and seeing seeing Ron in that moment, his hair just barely fit into that helmet. You may fire when ready. What we're discovering now is that cameos are now a form of currency among our directors. Uh, because, appearing in episode eight. We stuck, yeah, we stuck Gareth in there. We did stick Gareth, where is he? Do we have a... I think we have a picture of him. There, there. Yeah. Look at that, he's a natural! He's a natural! Look at that fuzzy little guy. <laughs> Neil Scanlon's team does amazing work. <laughs> Uh, do we have another picture in there? No, is it that? Okay, well, so I'm sure you guys will get your shots to be in a Star Wars movie. We have so many coming out. Yeah, maybe in nine. Well, maybe <laughs> not get, getting close with Colin. Although, I understand, Chris, you actually are. That wasn't your only shot. You were actually in a Star Wars movie. I am in uh, Empire Strikes Back, actually. All right, I think we have a click here. We're going to bring the house lights down and take a look at Chris. Chris Miller's unforgettable role in The Empire Strikes Back. Here we go. That was me, for real, for real, Stormtrooper number two in the re-release of Empire Strikes Back. 1997 special edition. I think we have some uh, incredibly bootleg photos of, uh, of, of you. No, not that one. Yes. That, one, that one's available for the public. So, there I go. was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was interning at ILM 20 years ago, um, and they sent out an email for uh, 511 people to be stormtroopers, and I happened to be 511, so uh, I got to be, uh, but they said that you're not allowed, not allowed to take pictures with your helmet off, that was a Lucasfilm policy, uh, so my friend, who was another stormtrooper, and I, I had a little, this is before digital photography, clearly, uh, clearly uh, I had a... Uh, a little Olympus camera, film camera, hidden in my lunch bag, and we like snuck around the corner and took pictures <laughs> of each other. Uh, so respectful. But, uh, <laughs> so I could be fired right now. <laughs> I'll have to look at the old employee and that's what it says about that. And the fact that you took it on film, that means you had a... I can imagine you sweating it out as you took it out to be developed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was so disappointed how blurry and, and out of focus and washed out they were. Uh, I was like, no one's going to believe me. <laughs> you believe me, right, guys? <laughs> That's pretty tepid. I feel like some of them don't believe you. <laughs> All right, we're talking about you guys cameoing in movies. Let's, let's focus on these. The actual actors who are uh, in our Star Wars movies, and and you've got a real challenge ahead of you. Uh, a character like Han Solo, 
everyone has an impression in their mind of what that character's like. So, so what's casting? What's that process like for you? I mean, we, we thought from the very beginning this was the hardest casting challenge of all time. It means the biggest boots to fill you can possibly imagine. You know, try to get someone who can capture all of those essences that you think of as Han. And so we did a very, very, very exhaustive search. We saw over 3,000 people uh, for the part. Um, all across the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, cast in like five or six different offices. Uh, acting schools all across America and the UK. It's like cowboy bars, like everything you can imagine. <laughs> trying to find someone who was like, wanted to make sure we un turned over every rock to find someone who had the sort of charisma uh, and the sort of maverick sort of swagger. Uh, and, and Turns out uh, that that was a total waste of money because <laughs> the person uh, who got the part was the first person to audition. <laughs> Literally the first person to walk in the door. I apologize for wasting that. It's nice to be sure, though. Okay. Well, now that you're sure. So, do you want to do you want to say who it is? Yeah. The best kept secret in the identity of this person is Alden Aaron Wright. you under wraps here, so maybe we'll put a helmet on you sometime and just kind of send you, well now I told you so I can't do that kind of thing. So what was it like? I mean, you, you, as they said, you were the first to audition and then you had to wait while they uh, wasted the time of 2,999 people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went, in, I went in a few times and just the whole time, I mean, when it first came along I knew kind of everybody would be going out for it and I just... I read the sides and I loved them, and I thought, all right, who knows, but, uh, but let me give it a shot. And then uh, I auditioned for about six months, um, and I went, the, the coolest part of that audition process was um, I went on the Falcon. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that is, I mean, kind of what you were saying, Ryan, it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, and and you get there and you kind of have, as a kid, like this character especially, you, you play make-believe and you imagine, oh, and you kind of imagine what it would be like. So when you you get there, you're like, oh yeah, yeah here it is. Yeah. And it's it's pretty incredible. So I'm just uh, very, very excited. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're screen testing aboard the Falcon because I imagine you're trying to see whether or not you have chemistry. With yeah. the Falcon. Yeah. yeah. Any other co-stars that you were screen test with? Uh, 
Yeah, Chewbacca. Um, which is pretty incredible. To, I never uh, acted with a Wookiee, so that's a whole different uh, thing. Which is pretty, yeah, it's amazing. And I had the blaster, we did the whole uh, costume and everything, and it was awesome. Yeah. Crazy Phil, you were telling me that there was something particular about all of this reaction, or perhaps maybe lack of expected reaction, because you've so, you watched thousands of people do that first discovery of the Falcon and the Chewbacca, and you saw a trend. But oh, well, I mean, only the finalists made it onto the actual Falcon. Oh, I see, all right. Uh, and Chewbacca yeah. wouldn't have put... We wasted money, but not that much. <laughs> but you would say that there was a commonality in that reaction, though, right? Yes, I mean, it's such a surreal experience for anybody to, like, all right, uh, Walk on. Here's the Millennium Falcon. Here's the you know. Here's this is the lounge. This is the cockpit. And here's a, a seven foot three giant talking bear man. And and, uh, and for everybody it was like the first twenty minutes of like trying to shoot a screen test. Everyone was just like, <laughs> we we didn't even roll the camera. We're just like we they need to I know, get this I know. out of the system. It's pretty neat. What was your trick, um, Alvin, to, to not do that, to not freeze up by it? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you're kind of so, it's like, there's something about it that just felt like so exciting that I think it, it that was more exciting than it was nerve-wracking. Like, actually being on the Falcon after having seen it for so long, it's just, yeah, it's pretty, you just kind of immediately go like, all right, all right, cool, yeah. <laughs> so, who have you told? Uh, well, this is kind of where everybody's gonna find out. The one person I did tell was uh, my mom, but uh, yeah, this is this is basically where everybody's gonna find out. Although people have been coming up to me and saying congratulations, and I kind of go like, uh... <laughs> That's a good response. Well, what was your mom's reaction? She's pretty thrilled. It's a it's amazing with this. Like with other roles, I've gotten people to like, wow, it's so exciting. And with this one, she was just like. What? You know, like, it's, it's so, uh, so, and she actually just recently, she's leaving, she's moving out of the house I grew up in, and she just found the box of my Star Wars toys and all the Han Solo action figures I had, so she just sent me a picture of, of all of those, yeah. We have that photo. Do we have oh, that photo? Yeah. <laughs> Do we? All right, well, we'll, we'll go, well, here we go, here we go. I'm sure right. some people out here have that toy. You got yeah. Bosk too, nice. <laughs> I like the Tupperware. Yeah, yeah, I like the setting. That's really good. <laughs> Sarah's, uh, you got some yeah. previs going on here. Yeah, right. That's my mom's handwriting. Yeah. She wants to be first camera operator on this movie. You know, you know. I love this because then you got the doubly good news of that you're in a Star Wars movie and your mom never threw out your Star Wars toys. Yeah, that's right. You know, maybe very disorganized. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. So where are you? Where are you guys in terms of? of uh, you said you guys just moved to, to London to, to start this process. I mean, when are cameras going to roll on this movie, you figure? <laughs> um, probably end of January, early February, right around, right around then. So we've got a good six months of prep. There's a lot of sets to design and build and characters and robots, droids, <laughs> um, and aliens and, you know, crazy creatures for Neil and his team to, to build, so it's a lot, there's a lot of prep work that goes into a movie like this. You can't just sort of, like, show up and be like, oh, we'll shoot at a Starbucks, mm -hmm. you know. And th is this your first time working with a British crew? Uh, yeah, we're really excited. Uh, I mean, we're using a lot of the same crew that were on Ryan's movie and, and Rogue One. We're sort of 
some some from each uh, camp, and they are the best in the business. So it's, you can already tell from the people that were working with us, you know, going to be a, a dream uh, working with people as talented as this. So Ryan, having just completed your principal photography, or being just that close to completing it, any words of advice after having worked for months with with this British crew, how to keep them happy? Oh, uh, listen, the kids. Tea. tea. Oh yeah, just some tea. Lay it on me, man. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of envious, like, I'm at, 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 being at the end of this, I, I, I kind of wish that we could just keep filming, because it, it uh, the, 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 I don't know, I mean, you said it, it's just like the best people in the, in the business, it's amazing, and I, I'm really envious that you guys get to, it's, it's like, you, I feel like I'm, I'm coming out of a ride and seeing you guys in line about to go into it, and my hair is standing up, and I'm like, my eyes are wide, and I'm like, oh, 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 <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for the experience you guys are getting now. Um, what um, football team should we root for to ingratiate ourselves? The uh, Cowboys. Oh yeah, maybe the Broncos. Broncos, probably the yeah. Maybe the yeah, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it seems only fair. I mean, we've had a director offering advice to uh, directors who are about to begin their journey. Uh, Alden, you're about to begin your journey in a Star Wars movie. It seems only fair to bring out an actor who's just recently completed something with two Star Wars movies under his belt now. Let's bring him out and see what kind of advice he has to offer. Would anyone be interested? Any fans of FN2186? <laughs> Or... 
Kim's okay. That's what I'm just trying to get. We did at some point joke that it would be great to just have him be in a coma for the whole night. You just keep cutting back to him. His mother or something. But, but the, the story is very, very interesting. I, I, I've done this uh, before. <laughs> so um, it's very, very interesting to keep it kind of like secret. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But in terms of the process, the production, I mean, how did you, how did this shoot compare to uh, uh, to The Force Awakens? Because The Force Awakens was your first exposure yeah. to being a Star Wars fan on the Star Wars set. Did, you, did any of that kind of... Uh, I mean, that was my uh, Han Solo action figure um, that I had from Episode 7. There's more signatures on it. It's just there as a Star Wars fan. I get to come into work, I enjoy my time with you know new members of the cast, and obviously Ryan's great with a new energy and a new take on, on, a, on, a, on a real story, and, and it feels like Star Wars, but then at the same time we have a new director to lead us in an interesting path, so it's really, really fun. I'm having fun. So how much has your life changed now that you, know, you are Finn, a star of Star Wars? I mean, I, I just got back from Tesco's, so no one bothered me, but you know, it's, 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 been, it's been fun, it's strange to see all these figures still, it's something that I haven't taken in, you, you know, oh man, you're playing hot solo, man, damn! <laughs> So any words of advice for all of you? I don't know, man. I really don't know. But, you know, you're going to be fine. You, you got that charm stuff done, don't you? And he's smiling just like, oh. This is great. No, it's going to be fun. Very, very good experience, man. Obviously, you've got a great head on you, so you enjoy the ride. Sure. <laughs> person that I met uh, briefly in my, on my stay here because I've been here for a while and maybe we can talk about it briefly because I, I really enjoyed meeting her was, was Kelly Marie Tran and uh, and this is her first big movie and it's a big Star Wars movie and, and you know the two of you have worked with her so if you could talk about uh, working with her. I'm, I am so excited for you guys to meet Kelly and this is it, it is all in, in good time and, and uh, I think yeah it, it, it I don't know, I, I don't want to say too much also because I want her to be able to come out and present herself properly down the line, but um, she's really something special. Man. She's really something special. We've got a lot of great energy and uh, a great addition to our Star Wars family. This is the family that keeps growing. Look, I mean, we've got the prequel trilogy represented here with, with uh, Ryan and John, and we've got the new standalone programs represented here uh, with Chris, Phil, and Alden, and, and it just feels like we need... Uh, we need to represent the classic trilogy here. We need, we need to.
9,000 followers on YouTube. Millie, Millie, come here. What kind of a world are we living in? Alright, my first question is for Millie. No. Both of them are Bob Gary. Bob and Gary, Bob and Millie. Thank you. How's Star Wars Celebration going for you? <laughs> you know, it's amazing because the emotions that come across are so genuine and so raw. You know, it's moving in a way. You can tell you were part of people's childhoods. And it's like this palpable exuberance. I mean, sometimes I just get lightheaded with it. I have to think of something else or I just fake dead away. <laughs> Seriously. I know you do. <laughs> But really, thank you so much. I can't tell you. You, you come through the line, and uh, I, I'm really tired. But uh, it's, it's it's something that's just giving me a charge like I can't explain. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, what he said. <laughs> He's my brother. And it is like it's like family. And the great thing about the movie is that those of you that have children that have impregnated people uh, can take those tiny humans and take them to these movies and see which characters they respond to and all that stuff is so awesome. And you bring little tiny, tiny just born people in Princess Leia outfits, which I appreciate because I think that you swallow those outfits so the baby doesn't come out nude, which would be so embarrassing. So it's just, it's a fantastic thing. I've lived I've with this. That theory. <laughs> See, you have to think about that. That's why we're very sibling white. We've been <laughs> what is the matter with you? You can take me anywhere. Well, I'm not going And I promise you I'd be on my best behavior. You know, some of these people say, are you guys really like brothers and sisters? I said, yeah, we fight all the time. We we're not speaking to each other for years at a time. Now we're not speaking to each other. <laughs> but we have a shared experience, and darn it, I will defend her with my life. I do drive him crazy. He'll demonstrate that throughout the evening. Dolly, you're a damn exasperating woman. That was actually Thornton Wilder's first title. The working title for Merchant of Yonkers was A Damn Exasperating Woman. I was hoping to bring that up. I know. <laughs> it actually became Hello, Dolly. See, I have, I'm a fan of... He has so many stories like that, and that is what Star Wars is about. <laughs> This is actually the new sequel. I know I'm not okay. giving that away. Oh, steal your guts. Well, the new sequel is about a lot of stuff with Hello, Dolly. Yes. <laughs> Hello, Gary. <laughs> I'm just here to make sure Gary gets a part, at least in the next one. I, I think he's a There are no dogs. 
It is 5.30 on Sunday, and we're in the dismantled Star Wars underground. Thank you. Thank you, says Dom. Little booth, and uh, we're done. We just had the last panel, which you would have heard a big chunk of, and um, there was a few interviews that I did this morning, so if people were, that I got, that I interviewed and uh, we're hoping to hear it on the podcast. I apologize. Dom, explain what happened. So before the show, they have these warm-up acts. They have a DJ and they have like a 
dude who's supposed to pump up the crowd. And one of the ways he tries to pump up the crowd is by throwing Star Wars memorabilia into the crowd. And he had a deflated BB-8 soccer ball, or football, as they're called here. Um, and he chucked it over to our section where we were sitting. And our friend Rusty actually jumped up and grabbed it. But several other people also tried to jump up and grab it. And Steele had his laptop out, and he was transferring some files, getting getting the, all that stuff onto his computer. Content. Yeah. Bloody content, mates. Yeah. Doing, getting all this great content ready for you guys. And the dude next to him, not Rusty, on the other side, smacked into your laptop and... Tried to jump over me while I was sitting down, yeah. working. Mm-hmm. And he managed to crack your memory card, your little micro SD card, as well as the card reader, and basically destroyed the, sh- destroyed the show. Um, and I'm getting choked up a little bit right now thinking about it. Yeah, well, so everyone misses out on the amazing banter we had at five in the morning. <laughs> oh, and it also shattered Chris's only appearance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so make it count, buddy. Here's Chris. It's over, and I'm still excited. <laughs> I still have energy. What a dick. <laughs> you know, I, I... <laughs> energy gone, as far as I'm concerned. So I was furious, and... Right, rightfully so. And the dude was like, Oh, when someone throws something into the crowd, you jump for it, don't you? And I'm like, not over someone else that's got a laptop. Yeah, you stand and reach and hope that it lands in your hands. Yeah, you don't, like, do the, like, in Australia, what it's called from Australian Rules Football, it's a specky where you jump on someone else to, like, grab the football. And this isn't football. We come to a place like Star Wars Celebration to avoid sport as much as possible. We're good with pod racing and everything else is, uh, you know. Yeah, that's great. It's great. It's great stuff. I love the pod races. It's been an epic weekend. What, what did you guys think of the panel in the end? I, I would say that it was underwhelming. I mean, I was expecting to see something. I don't know what specifically, but something. Cause we... I should say, you saw Han Solo. Yeah, but we everything that we saw we already knew. It wasn't anything new. It was they were confirming things that were already people knew was a thing. So, what about the confirmation that it does actually start with that scene? That's not enough for me. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I know it's not a big reveal, yeah. but had you taken that as a given, or because I was still like, "There's a trick to it." That, in uh, my head, I thought there was a trick to it, like a flashback or something. I wasn't exactly sure but I mean that's not enough to say oh this is how the movie begins I mean they could have said with Force Awakens oh the movie begins with a shot of a starship starship in space and I'd be like oh okay cool that's like every other movie so you know it's if it had been a scene that was different maybe that would have been a little bit more exciting rather than just saying oh it just continues with the same scene I am wondering if we'll ever get feedback in the public domain of what George Lucas's thoughts are about that that beginning like unless they are going to somehow do a from space and pan down they have to to do that they have to do that some way somehow I think they will what I expect to happen is they're going to have some type of scene that sets up the rest of the plot of the movie and then they're going to cut after that to the scene on Octu well that's a time jump then because not not if the stuff that sets up the plot happened concurrently or before the events of The Force Awakens concurrently like one of those 24 ad breaks when it goes bum, bum, bum. 
Dom, what did you think? It was pretty much exactly what I expected. I was hoping for some other stuff, but that was what I thought we'd get. We get some behind the scenes pictures, we get Alden Ehrenreich, and that, that'd be about it. It'd just be a little bit of fun, a little bit of banter, nothing too much, nothing too big. Um, you know, they didn't want to overshadow Rogue One. They kind of did that with Rebels, at least to uh, the fandom. Um, and so I don't think they wanted, they, were, they were, clearly weren't ready with anything else. They had nothing for Han Solo. They just finished Force Awakens. And they were kind of implying that maybe they had like a day or two left to do um, Episode 8. I mean, not Force Awakens. But, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of implied they have a day or two left. Like, it's not quite done uh, in terms of just shooting it. And so, I, you know, that's what, about what I expect. I'm glad they were there. I'm glad they acknowledged that this stuff is still going on. I'm glad they talked about it. I would have liked to have seen more, but that was about what I thought it would be. All right. I thought they were going to show a lot more. I thought we were going to get some video. But after it all, like bringing out all those people, all the different eras of Star Wars, bringing out the new Han Solo, you know, Mark and Carrie come out. I don't give a shit. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I see people on Twitter. It's just like, who cares? We had a fun weekend. And then we, oh, they only had Mark Hamill. You know, they had Luke Skywalker. They only had John Boyega, you know. That, yeah. like, he, that guy doesn't know how to put on a good show. Yeah. I just thought it was like, I don't know. It was just like, who cares? It was an awesome weekend, and I don't know. If you're, if you're sitting at home being sad about that, you kind of, you've missed the point over the whole thing. Yeah, you missed the point. Though, you know, we can, we can talk about how maybe some of the announcements and some of the stuff here that was the official stuff was maybe a bit of a letdown, maybe not what we wanted going in. But the actual experience of celebration and being here and being with the fans and, and, and just experiencing everything that it had to offer was still incredible. It was still amazing. I had the best time at the booth, walking around the floor, trying, trying the trials on Tatooine, the X-Lab stuff. <laughs> the, the parties after the, in the evenings, uh, before the convention even got started. It, there was so much fun. To be had that wasn't related to oh they're announcing this yeah yeah and it, again you don't come to celebration for the announcements because you're going to get that all around the world anyway you come for the unique experiences that you can have here like what Dominic was talking about and as far as the announcements go I mean one unique experience you could have is just being around a bunch of people all experiencing excitement at the same time and we did get that and it came from a place we weren't expecting it didn't come from Rogue One it didn't come from Episode Eight or Han Solo it came from Star Wars Rebels which I think is a show that really needed something like a pop to it because I felt it was kind of falling behind in the eyes of the public, the press, even the fans behind these new projects that are so awesome. But putting Thrawn in, doing something that so many fans wanted and it was just made so obvious by their reaction that they really, really wanted it. I think that was very important for Rebels and it was important for this convention too because it gave fans that that moment. I feel like that was the moment of, of this celebration. Yeah, I'm very optimistic about going into season three of Rebels. Uh, we saw the first two episodes, no spoilers, but one of the things that we really felt was missing from season two was something connecting all of the stories, something that was driving everything forward, that it wasn't just, uh, you know, little adventures here and there. And I feel like we're getting, we're getting that. There was there was some stuff in, in the beginning of this episode that felt like it, it was building on things that had happened previously and was setting up what's to come. And so it, it looks like it's... Uh, it's righted the course a little bit after a couple of missteps last season. Are you implying that season three opens up at the Heli Saber factory? Yes, that's that's, that's an exclusive uh, for you. <laughs>
Yeah, I I don't know. I I sort of don't care. Like about the whole like it would have been cool, but I was sort of just like I just had so much fun. Like I I did things that that were insane. I like just had so much fun. We like had, had like nine hours of sleep in the past five <laughs> days. It's incredible. <laughs> like nine hours of sleep. That's supposed to be like good for one night. That's the last five days. And here's the other thing. This is it. The last day of celebration. It's very emotional. Oh wait. What a heartless wench. Yeah. Those, those announcements are the cruelest thing. Yeah. Like, they're just like, just keep rubbing it in. It's heckled in the middle of your podcast. But yeah, like, we haven't seen each other for a year. And, you know, this is an emotional time because I'm not going to see you guys for like a whole three days. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, Comic Con is next week. So. <laughs> So we're not getting any more sleep. It's just going to be gonna be more wacky, crazy adventures. But no, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very good point. I, I, when I went to your show last Sunday before the convention, I, I was checking Facebook. And you know how on Facebook you get those like little look back on what you were doing this day in other years? And I, got, I checked it, and it was literally one of the pictures was you and I with our ILM t-shirts in line for Hall H. And I was like, wow, this is kind of yeah, kind of. Perfect, and so you know to get to hang out some more and create some new um, memories that involve a lot less walking, but also a lot less sleep. So you know, it, 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 that's what it's all about. Yeah, I just love, and you know, I try to with these blog pods sort of cover all that you know the fun stuff that happens. But I have to tell you guys, there was a lot of other stuff that couldn't make it onto the blog pod. <laughs> it was incredible. A lot of late nights, and uh, for some bizarre reason that it drives us a lot of early mornings i was telling jackie is like oh how come you haven't had much sleep why didn't you sleep in i'm like i've been up at like 5 a.m every morning it's insane so i'm going home and i'll get home on monday night and i think tuesday i'm just going to get like bath salts and just lie in a bath like get like a like a ghetto back to tank going yeah. and, and just try to like one day of health before I uh, get the train down to San Diego with Gonk, and it all starts again. Yeah, although it's weird to think of Comic-Con as, like, the calmer convention for us. But, you know, after the insanity that was this, the overnight lines, the early mornings, you know, Comic-Con, there isn't a huge Star Wars presence. There isn't that Hall H panel. There's just some smaller stuff that we just, you know, need to be on time for, basically. We don't have to be there at 5 in the morning or 4 in the morning or earlier to get to do all that stuff so it, it you know it's it comic-con is insane but it will be like a walk in the park after this oh yeah like i'd sort of plan like to do little interviews with like you know publishers and stuff and they're like oh yeah either you know comic-con or here and then halfway into day one i was like oh, i i'm not gonna have any time to do any of that it is hard like compared to comic-con where it's you know, like every maybe fifth booth you might be interested in, like I might have a Star Wars thing here. It's, every, it's full on. Yeah, that's that's what makes celebration the best. Is it's all Star Wars all the time. <laughs> I, I I just suddenly became Lucasfilm's pitchman right there. It's all Star Wars all the time. Come on down to celebration, Orlando, May, or April. What is it? April something. Yeah. <laughs> April. I just lost. I just lost yeah. my job as yeah. Lucasfilm's <laughs> 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 
Me and the guy who was running the projector at the Rogue One panel were out. All right, you guys. Highlight of celebration. Well, like I said, Thrawn was pretty big. But, I mean, personally, just having a booth for the first time as the Star Wars Underworld was a really awesome experience. And we got to experience this celebration kind of differently than other celebrations as a result of that. I mean, before it was about running around everywhere and getting as many pictures and videos and interviews as possible uh, to share to our fans. And here, it was more about having the fans come to us at the booth and meeting all of them. And uh, that was, it was different, but it was really, really, really cool. And I'm glad that we got to have that experience. Yeah, that was crazy to have people, as I'm sure you've you had plenty of times throughout the weekend as well still, people come up to you and be like, oh my God, I love the show. Oh my God. Or people that were like nervous to come up to us. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. I'm supposed to be nervous to go up to other people. Other people are not supposed to be nervous to go up to me. Um, but yeah, so that was incredible. But I mean, it's hard to... It's, even that is hard to top the ILM X Labs experience. <laughs> that was incredible. Like I, I, I can't put into words how much fun that was. I thought it would be gimmicky. I thought it would be kind of okay, but it was just the best time. And I'm so psyched to, to for the fact that they're making a full game of that, and that'll finally get me interested in Star Wars gaming again. I think. Yeah, I think I'll have to go. I, I, I'm just trying to think of like maybe four things. That I, like as far as like uh, like a Star Wars experience, the ILM thing yeah. was insane. Yeah, exactly. Like it was like I was I went in totally sort of like a bit. I was like, yeah, like it's going to be sort of a bit hokey. But like when I like I was reaching out to touch R two D two, it was like <laughs> when you get the light when you get the lightsaber in it, when you finally get to hold the lightsaber and you see it, the blade moving in the correct motion with you moving your lightsaber with you moving your hands it's the best feeling ever yeah like you have the dopiest grin on your face the whole time and i could hear steel in his booth playing it because i finished a little bit before him just because of the way it staggered and so i'm waiting for him outside the booth i can hear him playing it i just hear oh oh <laughs> excellent impression dom <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like after I was so disappointed by the Wii when you yeah. held the lightsaber yeah. that um, it was yeah to to get have R two D two flick you up a lightsaber that, that was that was sweet. So that that was one thing. The panel like a panel memory was like Mendo coming out oh, in in uniform that that was just sick. Very surreal to have a Star Wars character come out like I've, we've, have we ever had like a, a character come out in costume. Oh, I guess we had the creatures and, the stuff. Creatures and stuff. We had BB-8. Um, but I'm trying to think of anything quite like that. I mean, Stephen Stanton uh, voices Tarkin on the show, on the animated shows. He he showed up at Celebration Six in a full Tarkin getup. That was pretty cool because he was doing the voice and everything. But never some, never a live action actor showing up to an event like that and and being in character quite like that. Another highlight was the late nights of hearing crazy stories and uh hanging out with people i'm not allowed to mention it was it was it was awesome but i think like like doing the hundredth episode and just having people from all around the world come up and say hey and it was it was bizarre like it's bizarre to be at a star wars convention and have but just people happy to see you yeah 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 and i was thrilled to have a very full live podcast and all standing room because I did you know you have those things of just like yeah it's gonna be bad if 
I've got empty seats. That's 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 a bad vibe, you know. But yeah, just that and all the people that came up and said hey, and um, we got photos. There was it was really cool. Everyone was like so nice. In, in all seriousness, that for me too. For, at the booth here was mind blowing and definitely highlight of celebration, even more so than X Labs. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this crazy things like Pablo, like tweeting out the your Snoke theory sucks sticker and, and just just fun little things like that and how well received those two stickers were and all that fun stuff and and hanging out with you guys and and all the crew and um it was awesome so that is it star wars celebration london europe 2000 whatever year this is i'm so tired i will do the classic star wars underworld outro in honor of Chris sequel for Chris sequel for Dominic Jones I am Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars may that force be with you you guys it's a wrap <laughs> It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.